are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So I hope you all are well. And I just want to take a moment and share with you that the book Next Level that just came out by Dr. Stacey Sims and myself hit the USA Today bestselling books list the week it debuted. And I only bring that up because it shows that we are not alone. When I started this thing, I was pretty confident that there were a lot of you out there who were not being talked to because I felt like I wasn't being talked to. But to see how many of you there are and how awesome you all are and what a force you all are, that is simply amazing. And I thank you for being here from the bottom of my heart. And I never, ever, ever take that for granted. And I just wanted to say that. Okay, so this week, we have what I think is an important conversation. It's all about body image. One of the things that I find most heartbreaking in the Hit Play Not Pause group is how awful so many women feel about themselves. The battle with body image is real, and it can be at its most brutal during the menopause transition. And I'll be honest, I find this topic really challenging, not only because of my own personal history and body image issues, but because the whole subject is a viper pit. So much of it is grounded in our cultural perceptions around weight, and those cultural perceptions and how we feel about them can vary by race, and women of all sizes and shapes and walks of life can suffer from body image issues for different reasons, and whenever I wade into these waters, I try my best to be thoughtful and sensitive to all that, but man, it's it's just a loaded issue, and it's it's really hard to talk about on many levels, but it's an important important one. And I know it affects many of you. So I was willing to just go in and give it my best shot to just dive very into body image. I know we've covered this on past episodes, but I wanted to take a deeper, deeper dive on it because it's come up a bunch. It's come up recently and I know it's important. So when I saw an article titled body image in menopause in idea, which is a journal for trainers, that didn't just talk about the issue, but gave some concrete ideas on what to do about it, I knew I had to have the author on the show. And that author is Dr. Maria Luque. She is a fitness expert, health science professor, writer, and self-described menopause nerd with over 20 years of experience. She is the creator of Fitness in Menopause, a company dedicated to helping women navigate the challenges and rewards of menopause. Her course, Menopausal Fitness, Training the Menopausal Client is a NASM, AFAA, and ACE accredited continuing education course for fitness professionals. And she holds graduate and postgraduate degrees in health sciences and teaches at the College of Health and Human Services at TUI. We go deep into all of these issues. And most importantly, we go into steps you can take to make your body image issues better. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. 
Oh, and I want to make one clarification. At one point in this interview, I talk about Christian Blumenfeld, who recently won Ironman World Championships. In the interview, I say that the announcers were making comments about his body type. I misspoke there. It was actually people who were commenting on the live stream of the event. I don't know if the announcers actually made any such comments, so I don't want to like throw them under the bus. As a cyclist, I'm so used to announcers making comments on racers' body types. I think I just automatically said that. So I misspoke there, and I just wanted to clarify that mistake. All right. Before we get to it, you can find us, at always, at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. You can join that private Hip Play Not Pause Facebook group and take part in all of our conversations over there. If you like the show, please subscribe and share. It makes a big difference and helps others to find us. Don't forget, we have our Hit Replay Podcast Guide subscription service, which I think is particularly helpful for information-dense episodes like this one. Plus, it supports the show. And I also want to call out again that we have a weekly blog. I write a weekly blog every week. It comes out at feistymenopause.com. You can subscribe to it. And we cover all of these topics as well as recent research on menopause and everything you need to know on a week-to-week basis. So check that out there. Finally, I want to give a very quick thanks to Inside Tracker. I am going next week to get my six-month checkup and see how I'm doing. I have some blood lipid levels that I've been trying to bring down and taking some of their advice. They've actually been trending in the right direction. So fingers crossed, I'm, I'm going to make more progress there and I will let you know. Okay, enough of me. Let's talk about some of our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Maria, I'm very glad to have you here with us today because this is, um, man, this is a topic that comes up our whole life, right? Like this is a topic that I know I have wrestled with my whole life and most women, if not all women I know have wrestled with it at some degree. I came across something from 2013 that you wrote about it. Um, You know, the body image eternal battle with yourself, which is pretty much the best headline I can think of for this topic. (laughs) So Can you, let's talk about this time of life specifically, like why, because it seems to become particularly volatile right now. Like why in this perimenopausal menopausal space, does this become such a volatile issue for women? I think, well, as you said, um, we're as women and girls and women and and it's generalized, right? Men have this issue too, but it is definitely more of a female issue. Uh, We're, I think I saw a statistic that by age 45, women have gone through like 60 diets, an average of like 60 diets, right? I've tried 60 diets by then. I saw that somewhere. Um, So it is a lifelong issue. Like even when our hormones are at their best and they're stable, most stable, um, we still struggle with it. The majority of women struggle with some sort of body image issue. It doesn't have to be significant, but there's always that like, do I look fat in the jeans? Do I, you know, like there's always that doubt the doubt and we need the validation from other people during menopause as we know the hormones are all over the place so um, the increase in depression and anxiety is an actual thing and it's if you've suffered from them before then your your risks of having that during menopause is even higher now the link between those mood disorders and body image is like the chicken and the egg, which comes first is like, is it body image that makes depression worse? Is depression the cause of more body image issues? Uh, Who knows? But 
I think both of those are like perfect storm, like the, the hormones being up and down and up and down that already are bad. So even people that have never had body image issues tend to have some sort of issue, especially like, you know, I've never, I've been always thin and tall. I've never had to work out and I have this belly fat. Where does it come from? I've never, you know, like it's the surprise thing. So it isn't something that just women that have always suffered from it now suddenly are, you know, it's worse. Um, I've had many clients that that, what I just said is the main thing is I've, I've just been always been thin. I've never had to worry about what I eat or what I don't. I don't know where this belly fat is coming from. So it is definitely something that is, I think, uh, exacerbated by hormones. It's already there. Like I think the seeds are already there and then the hormones just kind of switch and it's almost like a perfect storm of yay. And then we're told that we're old and useless. You know, it's like society tells us that now, you you know, what's your good as a woman, you're no longer you can't give birth anymore. You can't. So your value as like a, a woman in this society is even more diminished than it was before. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel, you know, even I think this cuts across all women, regardless of uh, body type, athleticism, etc. You know, I mean, I, there's there's a way that I feel in some cases that athletic women feel it a little differently because they feel betrayed is a weird word, but that's, that's the word that comes up because, you know, they're used to, uh, two plus two is four, you know, I do this and I do this and it equals this, and this is what I look like. And this is who I am. And then all of a sudden that shifts and it's, it's unsettling, you know, mm -hmm. and I also have heard from women, you know, who are, you know, not traditionally thin, they don't worry about that, but they, but, but they're, they're still experiencing some changes, that they don't care for, whether it be, I have more cellulite now than I did, you know, like all kinds of things that it's just a shift away from what they have identified with whatever that identity is. Mm -hmm. and yeah. And I think, yeah. uh, and, I, and you make a really great point. The identity part is something that if we were being prepared as we grow older, that this is normal, then it wouldn't hit everyone like this brick straight to your face. It's it's we're told that your aim is to always try to look the same and to look young, whatever that means. And it's right. it's over and over and over again. So it's just it's no no wonder that, you know, you always think you're like, I don't have to worry about it. I'm not 50 yet. And then, you know, some women start going through menopause for many reasons very early. And then it's suddenly there and you're just like they're they feel like what no one's really prepared me what's happening that and I do think that you made a good point about the athletic women or like competitive women um experiencing different not worse or less it's right. just and like for I think there's a little bit I wrote a piece uh for ideas well uh, quite a few years ago about body image and fitness professionals uh because and, and this is not age related, but it's the same kind of ingrained thinking that you as an athlete or like a competitive athlete on top of that, um, or a fitness professional, you have to look a certain way. It doesn't matter how good you are at what you are, because you could be winning first prize. You could be the best uh, trainer or coach in the world. But if you don't look to what they think you should, um, 
then it doesn't mix. So it's just kind of like the people look at you and you're just like, this isn't, I'm not going to train someone that is fat, but I'm not going to be trained by someone that is right. what they consider fat or like right. overweight or like clearly they don't know what they're talking about. How can they win the the a triathlon when they're overweight? And it's just like, they're probably, you know, and I'm, I look at it now because I've had enough experience, but I can look at people and say, my God, it's like, that's amazing that you can do that, right? It doesn't matter what you do. It's just so, but so, so it's just ingrained. So I have struggled with body image issues and I've been very open about it for, I mean, the better part of my adulthood. And it isn't because, and I will talk about this, I think, but um, because it's a perception, but then people always just like, I don't know why you are feeling bad about your body. You look great. I wish I could look like you. Right. It's in it. So we know that that doesn't, doesn't make it any better when people say that it actually makes it almost worse. So uh, having those conversations also where people just acknowledging that someone may have an issue, um, it's being dismissed when people actually raise that there is an issue. So we can't even talk about it. And now we're having more conversations about it. So I think all of those layers play in on how women kind of like suck up the body image stuff. Like they don't talk about it because it's almost shameful to say that you don't feel good about yourself, um, especially if you're maybe within the societal standards of what is acceptable. Right. And so it's very, it's so complex. It's so complex. And, and as you were talking, I want to, I want to circle back to this, you know, later when we start talking about like what to do, you know, about some of this, but you know, it, it strikes me about the trainer piece because especially early on, but now you're starting to see trainers of all sizes and shapes, right. Which is great. You know, but like early on you would have people who had, zero credentials and you still have that, but they look a certain way. So everybody thinks like, oh, they must be awesome because they're ripped and they have a six pack and they like, they, they could be unqualified as a box of rocks. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's just what, so I'm, I'm glad to see that there's a shift going away from that, you know, and seeing more trainers of all different sizes who can do amazing things because I mean, literally just, was it just last week? Who, the man who won, um, not the Kona race, but the world championships that was in Utah. Did you see that post? Like the announcers were even saying like, wow, you think he would be better if he was lighter. He effing won. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like I was, my head just about popped off my body. I was like, are you kidding me? What did you just say? Like, what, what did you just say? Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like, um, just for, you know, a little, while we're talking about this little side, like, you know, I have struggled to my whole life with body image issues. It's been, it's just been a thing, you know, and, and they go up and they go down. And certainly with menopause, it's been a little more tumultuous. We're, 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 I'm coming to terms and, and getting my feet underneath me again and feeling better. But like, one of the things that helps me, like I just did this the other day, I was like, okay, you know, my muscle tone isn't what it was. And I look a little different and that's okay. But let's, let's see what I can still do. And I took my 30 inch plyometric box out in the backyard and I'm like, okay, legs, let's do this. And I was, I still have a 30 inch plyometric box jump in me. I had five in me, you know, I was like, and that, as we'll talk about, I think in things to do, showing what your body can still do, I think is really helpful for appreciating it no matter what is happening. 
100%. But you also have like you were, I mean, I'm floored by what you just said about that guy that wa- it, it, this is the stuff that you have to be ready to expect people to say unsolicited comments about what, even if you are the best at what you do, that you don't look like you should be the best, <laughs> right? Like it is, it's still, and then, you know, it's those comments. It's like, does someone actually think about what they're saying when that it's just it, accomplishment is still not as important as how you look, which is uh, it's so infuriating. And so, and, and like you were saying, it's just within the fitness industry and the, I'm, I'm, I have never, well, since high school, I haven't been a competitive anything because I can't handle it. I'm very, very competitive. So I, I learned that it's good for my mental health to not. I understand. <laughs> It's, a, it's my biggest demon when I have to compete is what's between my ears. But yes, yeah, go ahead. So, but it is, it's the constant fight to prove that you are more than what you look when you're constantly being told that it's not as important. All right. So it just, it's, in, it's insane. When I researched that piece for the fitness pros, the, the stuff that I came across on just how you know, jobs were not given to people that looked, that didn't look the par that, and even though we've come a long way, I mean, diversity in the fitness industry is still very lacking in just diversity in all aspects, but we're still looking for a specific type. And it's the same for women. I mean, we can translate that into menopause, the women, we are bombarded with pictures of you know, JLo's 50, why she can look like that. It's like, so we should look like that because she is, you know, that. And we all know that she has trainers. She has always taken care of herself. She has all, all the things available to herself to look a certain way. And we know logically that that is that, but you still have that image of just like, that's what, if she can do it, then if you just went harder, or you were more disciplined or you hacked something as that's my favorite new marketing. It's just like biohack your system or do something. Um, then it's, a, it's possible. It's that kind of thing. It's like that, that little thing that says, but if I just did that one more thing, you know? And so it's that impossible thing that you, you hope that you still can reach. And I, I see that in women in the uh, athletic and competitive sphere in a, in a, way and in a different way. And I have been uh, a victim of that myself, a self victim, I should say, of my own thinking, because, because it's kind of like that triathlete, right? Like I, when I got into mountain bike racing, like I had a coach say, well, man, if you just lost eight pounds, but you'd really, really be fast. And I was winning stuff. And I was like, okay, I guess I need to lose weight, you know, but there were many times when I did, and I was not faster. I was not like, it did not behoove me. My faster times were actually at a heavier weight, but it took like it was drilled into my head like this. I would start like not eating things or low carbing or doing crazy things because all it takes is one person to drop that into your head and it lives there. And then you start looking at people's like, Oh, maybe. And I would routinely get my ass handed to me by a woman who was not light on, on these mountain bike races. She crushed all of us. And, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, I tried that low carb thing and I just shut down and now this is my body. And, and man, it kicks ass. Right. And, but it's crazy that even with all of the real life world evidence, you know, that it's, that is so pernicious. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the, it's almost the lottery of body uh, composition, right? It's just like, you're always thinking that you can win it, but 
you know that statistically this is not going to happen. Like it's just someone needs to tell you that it is possible if you just try harder. And so, and that is what you're you're drilled in over and over and over and over and over again. And then marketing, I mean, they're good. Like they're very good at what they do, advertisers and stuff. So it's just the, you know, branding diets as non-diets. I mean, that was genius. Right. And then doing the, the, the it's it, like I was saying, it's like now everyone's talking about hacking something. Like you want to hack your system. You want to hack your brain. You want to, and if you do this, then you can, because it's a secret. No one's ever figured out how to hack it. And so, you know, but then you fall for it because you're thinking, well, it seems like it's new. So maybe this is what I need to do. But we do know that it does. It's not going to work. Another diet isn't going to work. Working out harder and eating less isn't going to work. We know this, but we still can't help ourselves because the uh, uh, other alternative is much harder. Like self-acceptance and working and really figuring things out takes time, right? It just there's no magic pill. Like you have to really dig into yourself and do some work. And like it's not as sexy. <laughs> Right. And even if you do manage to starve yourself down to whatever you want, it's counterproductive. Yeah. If you, if you, I, you know what I'm saying? It's often very <laughs> counterproductive. You go into low energy availability. You're not as powerful. You know, I mean, there's a lot going on here. Like, yeah. And I was just listening. I'm listening to a podcast with uh, Dr. Lyons and she was talking about how muscle, you know, is, is, is health. Like when you're yeah. looking at muscle is, and we know this, but it was really interesting. Just she went really into depth with that. Um, the more muscle you have, the more able you are to live a good quality of life and to survive things. And so it's just, we need to start changing how we, I mean, we need to start, start changing the narrative around what it means to be muscular and what it means to be healthy and what quality of life is like that kind of stuff. We really need to change the focus because uh, it's getting really tiresome. This whole body. You know, it's like being thinner thing because it doesn't serve any purpose. So, right. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. 
The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed, with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which, instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter's taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. So let's talk about, let's go into common... Like I wanted to talk a bit about like what the body image hurdles might be and what like common triggers might be for women and, and then how they can navigate that. You know, I mean, there's definitely things that I know that women encounter, whether it be the mirror, the full length mirror they see first thing in the day, or putting on Lycra to go for a ride, putting on shorts to go for a run. Um, what, how do women navigate this space when they are having all these body image troubles? That's a really good question. And it's as it, all of this is very complex. Now, my I think the 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 biggest disservice we do as as fitness pros and as uh, humans, anybody is to tell people that it's easy <laughs> that you just you know, that you will just if you just accept your body mm-hmm. 
then it'll all be better. And so it's it's almost like we're telling women that it's really up to them to just change their minds. Like you just, you need to just change your mind about how you feel about your body. And that's where we go wrong because it's not, it's not easy. When I work with and myself, it's like, but when I work with clients, it's one of the, the biggest and most crucial pieces at the very beginning is to, that I say, this isn't something that you're going to fix. Like it's not going to go away. Body image doesn't go away. Um, you manage it. You learn how to manage it. You learn how to manage your triggers because there are, it could be triggers. Like you were saying, the mirrors, it's just, if a mirror triggers you, then you need to not be in front of a mirror. Like it takes a while to just kind of, and I'm not, I'm not one to say like that whole, uh, just force yourself to look at yourself for two hours a day. And eventually you get to like yourself, right? <laughs> Everyone just saw my, like my eyes just roll all the way back in my head. But you know, some people uh, advocate this whole, yeah. like you need to just force yourself to, to face your fears. And I just, to me, it just does the absolute worst. I'm not a proponent of that. I'm really a proponent of like figuring out what triggers you, what triggers those kind of episodes. Um, and then either eliminating them or as much as you can or figuring out a way to work with it when you know it's going to happen. It could be that you go somewhere and you know this, you have this one friend that just cannot help herself or himself to make a comment about people's bodies or maybe not about yourself, but just like you're going out and making comments about like, can you believe that she's wearing that? Like that kind of stuff that is triggering and teaching women tools on how to respond to that. And maybe it has set healthy boundaries of just like, listen, I know you always say that, but I really, really appreciate it if you wouldn't, if you would stop talking like that, you know, or I just can't hang out with you anymore. It's triggering to me. And so it's like when you set those boundaries, instead of being like, I need to just get over it, people are going to talk like that. It's I don't believe it. Like you need to just like you would set boundaries for other things um, that are good for you. It's good to set those boundaries for others and for yourself. Like I was saying with the mirrors, you know, it's like if you know and if you know that you put on this one pair of jeans or shorts that always make you look like or not look feel like complete doo doo, then just don't put them on. Like it's it's that, you know, when we talk about uh, who hasn't had that part of their closet that is their thin clothes like this is my goal weight. This is where I want. I want to fit back into those jeans. And it was five years ago. Since then, you may have had three children. <laughs> you know, you've gone through surgeries. And I mean, it could be a million things that have happened since you fit into that. But still, you have that in your closet. And every time you go into your closet, there it is, that reminder of something that you want. So get rid of them. Um, so it's like those kinds of things that is really, let's sit down, think about what triggers those kind of body image emotions, because not everybody, I would say the majority of women doesn't just go around all day feeling shitty about themselves. It's an up and down, like you catch a glimpse in the mirror as you like, uh, whatever, you're bending forward and you see your chin in a weird way. And now suddenly, you know, like that kind of stuff um, to, to really figure that out and then be prepared for it. But I think it is, like I said earlier, it is essential to know that you just need, you need to learn how to uh, manage it and how to be prepared for them because this will happen. I feel, you know, like I said, it's like I've struggled with it most of my life, but I made steps to, you know, to combat it. Like I was just saying, 
but I still feel crappy. Sometimes I catch myself being like, what is happening? I know what's happening, but God, and then I catch myself and I do it. So this isn't, and I'm aware and I teach other women and I, you know, like I, I speak about it. I know, and I feel really good about my body, but I still have those episodes. They're just less. And I'm better to at like catching myself and being like, here, I hear you, but I don't, you know, I don't want to hear it like that kind of stuff. And that becomes easier. It's a practice that you kind of do when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have done, I have done similar. It's funny. I had Jeannie wall. Uh, she's a legendary like rock climber on the show. And she was just like, I just spend less time in the mirror and more, more time outside. And I was like, I, I really love that, you know? And, and, uh, you know, for myself, one of the things that has worked very successfully for me is remembering that I have always looked in the mirror at times. I mean, like, like even when I was, you know, anytime from 12 to now and looking back thinking, wow, what do it like? I looked great. <laughs> like, what, what's the point? And just, just in my mind, like, I don't want to waste another minute of life if I can on that, because when I'm 70, I'm going to look back at 53 and be like, Oh, what the, what the hell were you thinking? You know, like it's, it's always that mind trick. So just, I, that has been, that has worked for me just to be like staying present and just putting it all into some semblance of perspective. And also that notion that everybody is also way more worried about themselves than they are of you anyway. So, you know, like what I tell my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that, uh, it, it, that, you know, the way that you look, it's, it's important to think what body image actually is. Body image isn't attached to a size. Like body image is how a person perceives themselves to look. And when we think about it, it's just like, it, like you were just saying, um, you know, 20 years ago, I also I look at pictures of myself 20 years ago and I have a clear six pack and I was in the most miserable state in my life. Like all the things were wrong in my life at that point. And but I looked great. I mean, I'm just like and now I can look at myself and I'm like, this is not I would I want to be there. Um, it is. It, yes, I had that whatever low percentage body fat, but I was, I mean, let's just remember how miserable I was. And when you talk to people sometimes when they're on that diet or they're working out really hard and they're, they're not enjoying themselves, it's the outcome is very specific. It's like, I want to look a certain way, but they are hating every minute of the journey. And so it's all about the outcome. It isn't about the experience that you're having. Wow. And we have to switch that to kind of be like, let's enjoy the journey. And then the outcome will be what it will be. But if you're enjoying that entire thing, then you really aren't going to care about the outcome. Right. And so it just, and I think children do change for me. Uh, having my daughter was one of the biggest switches when it came to body image. Um, and I think that that when we take ourselves out from, uh, from like when we stop looking at ourselves as a, uh, end all be all, um, then things change because people see you differently, right? Just take a compliment from someone else and just be like, oh, thanks. Like if someone, why are you someone that is, can, is it hard for you to take compliments when someone compliments anything really? But like most like by when people make an innocent comment about, oh my God, you look great. Like then I've always felt the need to explain on how I don't look great. You know, and, that, and now I'm just like, oh, thanks. Like, just leave it, yeah, you know, just thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So and and the 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 daughter thing, I think that's a big one. And that will be one of the I think in the end, when we talk about what to do, I've used her as like a tool 
I've created a tool based on her uh, for like combat some of that, like the body image stuff, like things to do that uh, strategies. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, let's get into some of that. Um, You know, in the idea piece that just came out in the past several months, I don't remember when it, when it was published, um, you, you go through uh, specific psychological factors that are associated with body dissatisfaction. You know, like the, the top one is thin ideal internalization, you know, and I think we're getting better there in society. What are your thoughts that like, I don't think we're any more like when I grew up with the Kate Moss and you just literally could not be a skeleton enough. Like you really like it was incredibly unhealthy and dysfunctional. I think we got we think we're better. I'm not saying we're we're anywhere close to maybe where we should be, but I do think we're better. I, I agree. We're much better. I think there's more inclusive inclusion of uh, different body types for fashion, for, you know, we have a lot more fitness clothing companies that are really like trying to be, this is for everyone. This isn't just for a size zero. Um, and like you said, much more work needs to be done. If we really wanted to get somewhere, we would just not put any value on how someone looks, you know, <laughs> just, but yeah. it will never go away because we have the fashion stuff. I think we've almost, sometimes we, we start one and then we swing all the way to the other side to where it's just like, you know, everyone wants to have a big booty and everyone's like, right. how do you get that? And then we, you know, then it becomes this like complete pendulum swing to over here. So it's still the overemphasis of how we look, but you're right. We have gone away from, I think we have made big strides on that extra ultra thin is no longer considered like the aim. That's where we want to be. And then, you know, I think the aging anxiety is one that you brought up too. And I think that that's a, that's really important because I think it's hard to disentangle, disentangle those two. Like when, when you see a change, the aging anxiety is part of that. 100%. I think that as we, it's almost like you're dreading getting older because it means that you're going away every year, you're going away further from what that ideal is. And we don't actually know what the ideal is. It's just not what you are. That's really what it is. It's just like, whatever the ideal is, it's not you. And that, and we're moving away from it more and more and more as we always still glamorize women that look younger, uh, see, you can look younger. And it's just like, uh, you know, gray hair is sexy, but you have to look this way to have the gray hair. It's not sexy on everyone, right? And so it, it's still, so that is a big one because um, there are cultures, as we all know, where older, the older you get, the more respect you get because you're wiser. You're. It's not because you look better. It's because they value your wisdom and your experiences and what you can bring to the table. Uh, but in, you know, Western society, we're really like, it just, there's no benefit to aging. And that's really, unless you're a man, in which case you become sexier and you become more wise. Like that is, it's, it's a very sexist uh, split there. It just, you know, and we know this. Um, so yeah. So that cultural aspect is, is a big one because it's so ingrained and it's very hard to get away from the thin idealization is a little better because we see less images of that. But the aging part is very much, you're just not allowed to be old, whatever that means, you know? Yeah. And I, I, 
that is glacially changing as well. I mean, I think that there, I think that because the population in general is getting older and skewing that those doors are slowly starting to get open too. that, you know, that, that you, that you, that women especially don't just disappear after 40 or after 50 to your point, there's still some problematic things like you, but you need to look a certain way still, you know, I mean, there's still some of that going on. Um, I am an internal optimist, if you can't tell, but I do think that I do think it is starting to get better as um, you're seeing more imagery of of women still in um, in the public sphere. You know, it used to be like you just disappeared after 40. Right. Like there were no roles for women at all in, you know, in those mainstream movies. But now you're seeing women in Netflix specials and all kinds of stuff that are, you know, 50 years old and it's, it's progress, right? I mean, we're, we're making, again, it's glacial, but we're making progress. Absolutely. And I think it's essential, uh, you know, it's people like you that have a podcast that uh, spread the word. That's why I love to talk about it because we need to talk about it more. And the reason why it's switching is because we have a lot of famous and powerful people that women that are talking about it. And that's why the menopause conversation, I mean, within the last year, crazy, exploded. And I don't really, I mean, know where it, but it just went. And I think it is because there's a lot of Hollywood stars that have a microphone that have now decided that we need to talk about it. And, and then it started, started the conversation, which is great, right? And then, but now there's all controversies here or there and there, everyone has an opinion and everyone's an expert now. But uh, it is great because we talk about it. I think women are more, obviously we're in a different time where women are more uh, open to talk, speaking their mind and not being shushed. Um, you know, so there's a lot that goes and I don't think that it, that genie is not gonna go back in its box. So it's great because we're gonna go more. And you see more, it's more normalized that in their forties and fifties women can look strong and by, you know, look strong, it's a look, it's not a, you're thin and you're, but I think I see a lot more people saying, oh my God, look at her, she has muscle, right? It's like when you see women that have a definition of like being fit or like in any size, just like, look what she can do. There's more of it, right? It's just, I'm almost 50 and I feel like what, first of all, where has time gone? But I don't look at myself in an age thing. And we see more women that are in their forties and fifties and sixties that are very, I guess, vibrant from an energy perspective is the term um, to where it's just like there's that energy that comes from not being like having an old energy. I don't mean like an age thing, but, you know, some people just are very sedentary and it's almost like attached to age. Like you get older, you get less busy and less uh, mobile but we're seeing that shift a lot. And, you know, people are more let's get fit. Let's do this. I want to do my first marathon or I want to ride my bike more like there's a lot more and there's a lot more offerings too which is great I mean I love this yeah yeah and then I wanted to touch on uh fat talk and old talk in there I this is something that I'm extraordinarily sensitive to and I think it's because I was in the mainstream media for so long writing for magazines like Glamour and Marie Claire and you know all of those um the words that we use are even if we're, if I talk about my muffin top and my bat, like all the things that, that women say I, that that's contagious. It spreads like a disease because then it, then if I'm saying this stuff about myself, 
it makes you go, oh, I guess I have that too. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not good. And if there was one, I would love to just sort of have people, you know, I never want to police speech, obviously, like you can, I know people want to express themselves, but just to, like, my daughter has never heard me talk about my body in terms like that, like, cause I had an eating disorder and so many problems and it familial problem, you know, from my mom and dad and their conversations about weight and body, like she will never hear me talk about that. You know, like it's, I'm not going to put that in her head. And I just think that if we all just are a little more kind to ourselves in the way we talk, it helps everybody around us. Yes. Uh, 100%. And that's, you know, what, what I was alluding to earlier. I call this test that I've created for myself, the Charlie test. My daughter's name is Charlie. And it's just, I made a very big commitment when I had her to never refer to myself in any physical shape, like besides capabilities, like I'm strong or I'm due, because as you said, it's just even the smallest or to herself or anybody for that matter. Like what if we went away from talking about people from their physical self? Like there's so many other qualities. Like why do we need to refer to people by physical, you know, things? And so um, I always like if something pops in my head, I'm just like, would, would I say this to my daughter or I mean, it, it applies to anybody. You don't have to have a daughter. But would I say what I'm about to say to myself, to my friend? Like, are these words that I would utter to someone else? And if it's not, then just don't say it like we need to again, like what I said earlier, we need to take it away from us from not internalizing it, but like, would I do this to someone else, what I'm doing to myself? And that like constant over and over. And it, it is very hard in the beginning to, because you you will say things that just are very simple. Like, it's just like, oh, this, you know, this, this, these pants just don't, you know, make me look good. And if you say that in front of a three-year-old, like, it's just like right there, it is just like, oh, like, you know, and then it just, I mean, you've lost the battle right there because you almost like planted that tiny little seed that there's something wrong with your body. Uh, and so that no fat talk, like I have that rule. And like you said, it's like, I don't like to police things. I believe that people should be able to express themselves. But this is one of the biggest exercises that that I would tell everyone to do. Try to consciously not refer to yourself in any like physical shape, anything that relates to how you look and see how hard it is. First of all, it is very hard, but then it becomes easy because you just don't, you don't, you forget that that's an actual thing, right? It's just, it it doesn't belong anywhere. Like when my daughter does something, I'm just like, look at how strong you are. I'm not just saying that, you know, she's getting bigger or like whatever. It's just like, look how strong you are. And so what if we did that when we change the narrative and say, you know, I mean, we've all had people uh, and clients and that you do exercises and you're like, oh, my God, I this is where I feel my jiggle when I do jumping jacks or something. And I said, yeah, but do you remember that you weren't able to do a jumping jack two months ago? Right. So changing the narrative from the physical to the functional, like, what do you what are you able to do that you weren't able to do? Like, let's not focus on the jiggle. You didn't feel any jiggle because you weren't jumping, but now you're jumping, which is you know, awesome. So, uh, and it does change. I love that. I love that. And I, and I think I'm, I'm wrestling a little bit and I, I'm just going to see how this lands on you. So I, I'm, I wrestle a little bit with the, the notion that we can not 
look at ourselves and describe ourselves in any physical way because we're visual creatures that do that, you know? So it would be hard to look at someone who's very tall and not be like, well, that guy's really tall. Right. I mean, that's just like a natural reaction. And then I think of the Marley Blonskys in the world. She's a cyclist. Um, and she describes herself as a fat cyclist objectively without emotion. She's like, I'm fat. Just like this person might be short, just might this person might be tall. You know, she's like, I don't attach anything to that. It's just what my body is, you know, and not everybody can do that. I'm not saying everybody should do that, but I think it, it, it sort of runs into almost impossible territory to not, not assign some sort of body descriptor when we, when we're out in the world. Right. I mean, it, that's where I sort of run into a little bit of a hurdle with that kind of advice. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And when I, and you know, when I was explaining it, I really didn't mean like any physical description, like you're, you know, tall or like small or because those aren't necessarily, they don't have a negative connotation to them. It's like when we talk about body fat or whatever it is, that's when it becomes negative. And like, again, like you said, uh, and we said earlier, it isn't a size thing necessarily. It's how we talk about it. Right. It's how it fits, how things fit or how this is. It's like when we intentionally pinch things and it's just that. Um, it's the negative self talk about the body, right? It isn't the, and I, and, and, and I think when I suggest to, to, to practice, to not talk about your physical yourself as in a physical form, it's more of an almost like a, just try to do it. Like I was saying, it is hard because it is, like you said, it's hard to not describe someone in a physical self, but uh, to be aware of just how much negativity you attach to your physical self. So it's almost like an awareness tool rather than a never ever shall you say something about anybody's arms or legs or anything, right? Uh, if there's a positive, but you know, also um, sometimes even when you're trying to make a compliment to someone, we have to be aware that that might not be received as a compliment. So that's when you're talking about a physical, uh, like, you know, how, how great your arms look, or it's like, you look, that other person might have real issues. So when you say that, they might take it very much to heart uh, in a very completely negative way. So what I, I, that's why I tend to say, if we can find other ways in describing people rather than like complimenting their physical body, um, then we're going to be winning. It's a, it's a plus. Is it going to be impossible? Yes. From a um, standard, like when you have to describe someone, yeah, she's tall, she's about five, seven, you know, like the, the basic stuff that you would describe someone, but you're not going to be, yeah. So anyway. Yeah, no, I, 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 a hundred percent. I, I, I agree with what you're saying there. And that, that makes, that makes perfect sense. It's, it's the assigning of the, of that other part, especially, especially with the negativity of how we talk about ourselves in terms of our own shape. Um, it, it is interesting in what you were saying. I, I think it's also a little loaded when someone loses weight and all of a sudden everyone tells them how great they look, right? Like it's because immediately they're going to think, well, I guess I didn't look great before, you know, I guess you were just, like, you didn't think I looked great before. And that, 
that's so much of this is minefields and dear audience, we're not going to solve this all in this 45 minute conversation. If anyone thinks we are, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but like, I'm just, all this is, is us trying to move this all forward, right? Like we're not going to solve all this unless we, Maria, are we going to solve all this? Do you have all the answers? <laughs> in the next podcast, we will have no, but I do think that uh, this isn't about, again, like a, I don't promise any solutions. I promise hopefully a thought, like some critical thinking then that happens. It's just like if, if you can get anything, even one thing out of this conversation that is like, oh, I've never even looked at it this way, right? Or it's like one tool, like I never even thought about just covering up all my mirrors or like, you know, like those kinds of things that are you're almost allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to do that without any judgment attached to it, then that's, that's all you can do because then the needle is being moved a little bit. And everyone's, and like we were saying, it's like, it's so complex. Everybody's experience is different. Everybody's uh, why they feel about themselves is different. It's just, you know, if you, if you're surrounded by people that are uh, constantly telling you that you don't look that you know, then how do you, how do you deal with that? Like, it's a different dealing than if you, someone like me, I just like, I don't, I have eliminated all the negative people out of my life. Right. And it's just like, I made a conscious effort to do that. The same as, uh, you know, uh, social media, eliminating everybody that is negative, even if it's just kind of like, ah, but no, I just take it out. Like if any, you know, clearing these things out, those are ideas they're not solutions but it moves the needle just a slightly bit further to one side and the tools of of um maybe reevaluating how you talk about yourself and others is just a tool it isn't going to just same as when you're working on revising your food intake of maybe making improvements on it you have to first take account of where you are and then you can add some stuff that is good, right? Or is like, or eliminate some things that you, that might be really bad. Um, and it's the same here. It's just like, let's, you have to take account. And that's, that's where the work comes into play. That is not so sexy that people don't want to do, but that's, that's where I start with my clients. Like, let's just, let's, let's take uh, inventory and then we can attack one tiny thing at a time. It's not going to be something that you fix We've been dealing with this for 30 years, maybe, or 40, some even more. Um, this isn't going to be fixed today, but we can work on it. Yeah, 100%. So what are some of the tools or interventions that we haven't, you know, talked about yet or, or that we have and we can condense into um, things that some put these tools in women's toolboxes, right, to, to deal with these issues? Absolutely. I think that uh, one of the biggest ones is the trigger stuff that we've talked about earlier, identifying some of the triggers um, and then trying to eliminate them or try to figure out a way to set a boundary around that trigger if it entails other people, because you can't control them, but you can control how you put yourself in that situation. But if it is clothing or mirrors or then you try to avoid them because it's nothing good comes out of it. Will you maybe be able in the future to look at a mirror and not maybe, but that what's the point? Like that this doesn't do anything for your workouts, work out outside or don't work out in front of a mirror. I don't have any mirrors. I don't work out in front of a mirror. I hate, like, I don't need to, like, if I'm doing a bicep curl, I don't need to be looking at my face while I'm doing, you know, like you see people in the, and that's also another thing in the gym, right? People are constantly checking themselves out in the mirror. I'm like, you're not paying attention to what you're actually doing. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so that is like, there's no reason to do it. So the trigger part, that's, I think that is the most important okay. one. Because we have to be prepared. Uh, secondly, self-compassion. Um, and that goes hand in hand with realizing that this isn't an easy thing to do. Um, changing how you feel about yourself is going to be a work in progress. And that that is like the biggest one, like work in progress. Every day, hopefully you're able to say, you know what, today I feel better. Like I have more tools in my toolbox. Um, and then start every day judgment free from whatever happened yesterday. Today is a new day, like that kind of stuff. And that is goes into the next one. Start every day judgment free. Like it, I think we feel guilty a lot of times of just having missed a workout yesterday or not, maybe not having eaten clean enough yesterday or doing, if you can start every day saying, okay, today's a new day and not attach it to any other thing and just kind of enjoying the movement that you're doing that day. then I think that we're again, like the needle is being moved just a little bit in the right direction. Um, we did the no fat talk, the, uh, show yourself compassion, like you would show it to a friend or your daughter, or, you know, like reevaluate how you talk about yourself and uh, um, pay attention to what your body can do rather than what you think it looks like, because your brain is lying to you, you know? So it's just, and also I think it, as I was mentioning earlier, it is really important that you take, your friends that you know would not give you a compliment just because they want you to feel good. Like if someone makes a comment that is positive to you from a, uh, like, I think it's so great that you're like able to run two miles or something like those kinds of things, just kind of take that as a yes, like a win almost for you rather than then almost saying, yeah, but I could, you know, I could be doing more like that kind of stuff, like just kind of take those small wins when it comes to it. Um, and I think those are, I have like, you know, it's, I, I try to almost always say, how can we replace the negative thoughts with something positive? And it's like a reframing of the conversation you're having with yourself. Uh, you know, instead of like looking at yourself and saying, Oh my God, that cellulite on my butt looks horrible. It's just maybe, it's, you just went on a hike that was a two hour hike. It's just like, yeah, but that cellulite full butt got me up that hill and it felt amazing. Like for those kinds of conversations that we need to just like do it and do it again and then do it again and do it again. And then eventually it becomes easier. It really is. That's I think that's the biggest takeaway. Practice it and it becomes easier. Just like your workouts become easier. Just like anything becomes easier if you practice it. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it and it does work. And, you know, while you were talking, I was thinking like, that's one of the beauties of strength training and, and studies have actually been done that strength training improves body image. And I that that's not surprising to me at all, because it makes you feel strong and powerful, and it makes you feel capable. And it makes you appreciate your body, you know, like running unless you're a good runner. <laughs> sometimes doesn't have that effect on you, you know, and running is like kind of unforgiving that way. Like it's, it's easy to have a bad day running just because, you know, it's, it's inherently a harder activity unless you are sort of a natural runner. Um, but strength chain, like anybody can, can lift something and feel strong, no matter, no matter what that weight is, like you can lift something off the ground and be like, yeah, I did that. Um, and it's just, 
study after study has shown it's very good for women and body image. 100%. And uh, I think strength training has to be at the core of any workout or movement uh, that a woman does, because like you said, it's like, it has studies are abound on like, it increases self-confidence because it, there's something magical about being able to do things that you haven't been able to do. If I, you know, it's like, that is like the biggest, it gives me the biggest satisfaction and happiness when a client says, um, when I have to tell them, I'm like, you know, you really need to, your weights are too small for you. Now you have to get bigger weights. And it's like, you can tell that whole, like, well, really? I'm like, yeah. And it's very empowering when you go from those five pound weights and then you're like, well, I think you can jump to 20. Like, it's just, you know, and, and it's very powerful. Like it's something very powerful, regardless of how you feel about exercise. It lowers anxiety and depression. We've already there again, plenty of data that shows this. And then the metabolic aspect of muscle is significant so if you want to do anything don't change your diet but grow more muscle because it does the work for you right so there is like it has to be like strength training it's for many many reasons which is a completely different topic but it's like for reasons and how you can change it and what modalities of exercise you can do to get different different outcomes is incredible like you know it's it's incredible yeah yeah and then, you know, clean up your, you, you sort of alluded to it, but I wanted to like drive it home, clean up your, your social media feed, like really, really curate it. Like don't follow people that make you feel bad, period, 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 period. Just, you can go unfollow and then never see that stuff ever again. And you will be happier for it. And there's so many, you know, I had Kaisa Fit on the show, um, Kaisa Kiernan, and she's awesome. And she's just all about that. It's just like follow people who are who are strong, powerful, inspirational women, you know, who are not face tuning, body tuning, you know, just sort of showing all that superficial stuff. At 100%. And you don't, if, if someone in your life makes you feel like shit, mm-hmm. like if you work out to please your partner because your partner might not be able to uh, find you attractive anymore, then you should definitely get a different partner. <laughs> you know, like it's just, you have to surround yourself and bring into your life and say, this is a choice I'm making. I just don't want that around me anymore. And you have to constantly unfollow not only unfollow but like tell the ads that this is irrelevant to you it's like a full-time job to say no to ads on social media uh because they're put in your face right you have a conversation and suddenly there is that new body slimming diet um and the same with your inbox i don't know how they get the emails but it's like constantly like unsubscribe unsubscribe but you have to do it because otherwise you you constantly are being inundated with it Uh, but it it goes down again to boundaries right it's like so you have to set those boundaries on social media in your personal life if you can i mean sometimes you can't extract yourself out of the the situation but if you can you really you know those are tough decisions but it's really about your happiness in the end 100 percent. and speaking of happiness i I want to leave this on a really upbeat note because I, I there are studies that show that you do often come out the other side, that postmenopausal women actually end up down the line um, with more acceptance and less body image issues. You know, there's been some good research on that too. And, um, you know, I think you reach a point where you can, you just, you're, you 
you have an appreciation for what your body has has done over the course of your life and what it can still do. And you just don't attach the same. Um, all that other stuff just falls away. Yeah, 100%. I think that I covered that in the, in the article as well of just we have to remember that men, the menopausal transition is a transition. Mm. It is. It, for some women, it ends up being a really long transition. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some women, it doesn't. But you have just remember that it will, it, it ends at some point, like your hormone levels balance out at some point, like you will get back to, not you won't get back to your old self. You will, it's a new self, but you get back to some sort of normalcy from a hormonal perspective, right? Which is why we are having all these symptoms. And so it, it does, there's, there's an end inside and we just have to figure out how to make the best out of it and how to best have the best quality of life throughout that transition, however long that may be. And I think the tools that you learn during that transition will be an incredible valuable for later in life as well. It's like you said, in postmenopause, a lot of things tend to even out how you feel about yourself, how you feel about others. Some of that caregiving that women are so attached to that we are ingrained, you know, biologically to almost feel like you have to take care of other people kind of, fades away a little bit and you become more centered on what's good for you. So there is, it's very green on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) That is a a perfect way to end this show. Thank you, Maria, for being with us. Um, Yeah. The goal is to move the needle and I am, I am confident that these, these tools help move the needle. I am. I I hope so. And I encourage all your listeners to just really, uh, if you have any questions or comments on this topic, feel free to bombard my DM on IG um, or to make it because it is. Watch what you wish for. (laughs) I love the conversation. If we can have the conversation and we can have it, it's like, this is the stuff we need to talk about, right? It isn't about complaining, but it's like, what can we do? And everybody has a personal story to it. And I love this kind of stuff. So thank you so much for hiring me. This has been amazing. Well, that's our show. Come on back next week when I sit down with George Gilbert, the co-founder and team leader of the Antarctic Fire Angels, which is a team of female firefighters who are attempting to trek across the Antarctic next year. They have been openly talking about what it's like to train and undertake this kind of odyssey while also being perimenopausal and how one mismanaged hot flash can tank the entire endeavor. It was a fascinating discussion. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. listening to hit play not pause a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women i'm your host celine yeager the show is edited and produced by the strong talented and amazing women at live feisty media follow us on social media at feisty menopause and please help us spread the word screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at feisty menopause share the show with your friends And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty.
As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like feisty menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap.